After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome into the latest episode of the Five on the Floor podcast on the Five reasons sports network make sure to check out all of our content on five reasonsports.com that's where you can find our merchandise all our great heat shirts also of course our other podcast three yards per carry five rings cane cinco Arizona's shula bowl just his last episode of the season but we'll be continuing fantasy on five balls cast light skinned opinions and more and of course all of our updated stories and columns on the heat dolphins hurricanes panthers marlins and other South Florida sports. Before we get to today's episode, I want to tell you about a great sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and that's AutoNation. If you're looking to buy or sell a vehicle, AutoNation is where you want to go. They're the largest auto retailer from coast to coast, and their friendly and knowledgeable staff here in South Florida will help you stay big on a huge selection of new cars, trucks, and SUVs, Toyota, Honda, Chevrolet, Mercedes-Benz, and much, much more. And if you're looking to buy pre-owned, shop AutoNation's huge selection of one-price pre-owned vehicles, all clearly marked with one price, their lowest price guaranteed. You want to get rid of that old car? Turn it into cash today. Get a top dollar offer and a check the very same day. They'll buy your car with no purchase necessary. Here's the biggest thing. Regardless of what you want to do with AutoNation, and you should do something with AutoNation, you've got to DM me at Five Reasons Sports. We've had some people do this, some listeners. They've had a great experience. If you DM me on Twitter at Five Reasons Sports or email me at Five Reasons Sports at gmail.com, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to put an AutoNation senior manager directly in touch with you to help you get the car or sell the car that you want to get or you want to sell or you want to lease or whatever you want to do. So DM me, email me. AutoNation, they'll help you out. And now, today's episode. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a Miami Heat and NBA podcast from Ethan Skolnick with Alvon Sydney, a.k.a. ALF954. Brought to you by the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick back here. I'm with Alex Toledo. We did not pod after the Utah game. All three of us had other things to do, but we all saw the game. Just bringing in Alex today, but we're not just going to focus on the Utah game, which got the heat to 22-8, and eight, which was a great performance, particularly at the end, by Tyler Hero. Another great performance by Bam Adebayo on a night he didn't shoot all that well. Jimmy Butler doing a little bit of everything again, and Goran Dragic playing big off the bench and making a ton of threes. 
but we're not going to focus on one game. We want to kind of we want to spin back and spin forward. We're 30 games into the season. The Heat are 22 and 8. 22 and 8. Now, best case scenarios for this team, and I was one of the most positive people on this team in the market or anywhere. I know Alex and Alf were as well, or sort of came to that place over the course of the, the preseason. No, I'm very negative according to everybody. Well, I know everybody thinks you're negative. You're really not that negative. It's just, I, I, everybody used to think I was negative, but because I spun positive on this team, everybody seems You were definitely me. more negative over the past couple of years. That's yes. for sure. For good I mean, reason. Was, for yeah, good yeah, reason. Because this is what the Heat should have been getting to, not that. Now, I didn't anticipate Kendrick Nunn and Duncan Robinson, all that, but I can claim I did. 22 and 8. 22 and 8. That's a 61 win pace uh, through the first, I don't know what, we're a little past the first third of the season at this point, which is much better than anticipated. But we're not just going to do that, okay, they're playing really well. We're going to look back at the five things that we identified as major issues for the Heat coming into the season and where they stand with all of them. Because I think it'll give people a little better context of where they are right now and how they got here. So let's start with number one, Alex. The one that we began with was Jimmy Butler because he was the most important acquisition of the offseason. He was an acquisition that I thought the Heat would eventually make, but I didn't know they would happen quite that way. They gave up less than I anticipated they would have to give up. There's a great debate to be had. We should probably devote an entire episode to this. But of all people, Dutch... Uh, Dutch Beak, Michael Sonbeek and our network actually stated this on Twitter. It's the only smart thing Dutch has ever said, uh, which was that the Confirm. best thing that the best thing that ha- you could occur, right? The, the best thing that ever happened to the heat was not making the trade with Minnesota for Jimmy Butler because of the way that things ended up playing out. You probably don't, you probably make the playoffs. You don't get Tyler hero. Maybe you go a different direction with some other players. Maybe some of the players that are here right now are not here anymore. Maybe you don't make the white side trade. Maybe Bam is not unleashed. All of those things. I think that's a whole episode we can devote to. But I mean, could just, you imagine? They're just like, oh, we still got it. We still, we still believe in Hassan and everything is different right now. Oh, my God. Please. I mean, shoot me. But anyway. We're talking so, about Jimmy and Hassan's uh, uh, compatibility. Uh, well, well actually, 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 yeah. If there was going to be any violence, it might have occurred during one of those practices. But, yeah, all right. So let's, let's get to what actually happened was they got Jimmy this offseason. And you and I and Alf all asked the same question. Is Jimmy Butler a true number one? And I think we have to agree, I would believe, after 30 games, that he is. He's just a different type of number one than we anticipated. He's not going to get you 30 every night, but he's making plays for other people every night. He's defending, which we knew he could do every night. He's making plays down the stretch every night. He's leading in the locker room and at practice and on social media and everywhere else and in the community every day, every night. He's a true number one, is he not? Um, Yes and no, in a sense. I think Jimmy's been awesome. I think – even though that he's kind of struggled to shoot from the field in a, you know, very consistent sense. Like you just look at his percentages uh, from different areas on the floor. They're just lower than you would think like at the rim from three to 10 feet, from 10 to 16 feet, all of them are a little bit lower than they have been in the past. So that there's evidence that that's going to go up knowing what we know about Jimmy, but he's been good, man. Like I think Spo has utilized him, has weaponized him as this playmaker who he's going to use as the guy to basically penetrate the paint every single time. And that's his role, right? His main function on offense is to penetrate in the paint and either draw a foul, you know, get a good shot in the paint or kick out to shooters. And it's working because Jimmy is very good at making reads and, and 
I think Spo noticed that from the start. And especially, you know, with Winslow and Dragic taking, having time off, made it even more so that Jimmy had to be that playmaker. But I've been very pleasantly surprised with just how much he's bought into the system, to the extent that he's done it at, you know, how quickly it's meshed together. I think he's a huge reason for that. He's never tried to, you know, take over and take all the shots. Like, his usage is at a pretty fair amount right now. Like, he doesn't have, you know, a, a usage over 30. It's at about 25 right now. I think he's done a great job just playing a part of the team system, knowing what it takes to win basketball games during the regular season, putting in that effort every night, demanding the best out of everybody. I think he's done a great job. And it feels like it can only go up from here because of what I mentioned before, of his shooting percentages being down all across the board. If I had to come to it, it would be like a B plus, A minus mm-hmm. type of thing, which I think is very good. Like, he's been, he's been great for them. Yeah, I would say a minus, uh, but I would trend towards a honestly uh, rather than rather than down. I trend up a little bit. I, I think one of the important things that a number one has to do is know when he should be the number two or the number three. And I think what Jimmy has shown is a great feel for that. When when he doesn't have it on a given night, or he just kind of wants his work his way into the game, or he doesn't like his matchup as much, or maybe he likes somebody else's matchup, he's going to that guy. And it is, you know, it's LeBron esque. I mean, he is. In a lot of ways, he's LeBron light, you know, and, uh, you know, that's not <laughs> disparaging someone. It's so weird because we say the same thing about Wade, right? Because they, they have yeah. similar play styles. And now we're kind of saying a similar thing about him and LeBron. And right. maybe well, it's just the way that Spolster utilizes these types of players. He knows, he, he knows exactly how to, how to maximize them. Yeah, and I think that, that Dwayne saw some of this in Jimmy, and that's part of it. But, I mean, to, so when someone's averaging 26 and 6, um, what LeBron was averaging, what, 26, 7, and 7 with the Heat, right? So, I mean, you're not that far off from those numbers. In fact, it's rounding. And he's averaging three steals and a block as well. Correct, correct. Just and now the incredible. shooting percentages are not LeBron's level. You mentioned that. They're not LeBron's level. The line they are. He's better from yeah. the line than LeBron was. I mean, but, everything suggests that it's going to go up. Like, he's at 28% from three this season and, and just under 44% from the field. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's definitely going to go up. And like I said before, all different spots on the floor – He's pretty low. So I think that's something that's going to go up just like, you know, the shooting's gone down. But, yeah, he's done an excellent job. And that's what, and what you said before is exactly why I said yes and no on him being a number one because he doesn't always need to be the number one. Mm-hmm. Right. He doesn't need to be. But, but I think the, the sort of understanding of when he does, particularly in the big moments, makes yep. him that. But I think what he's also set himself up for, Alex, is I think he has set himself up to slide over to a number two or three position permanently if that's necessary, whether it's Bam ascending or Tyler Hero ascending or whether it's getting a Giannis or maybe an Oladipo who's younger than him or maybe, I don't know, a Bradley Beal down the road, that he's he's sort of positioning himself. There's no doubt in my mind if the Heat were to get somebody of that caliber that he that Jimmy would be taking less shots. Yes. Just from what we've seen so far where almost every night there's guys on the team getting more shots than him that you wouldn't expect it. That other night, like we said, uh, seven people in double digits and he wasn't one of them. There's just been so many instances like that that I completely agree with you. I think he would, you know, he would do what's right for the team because I still think that he he knows he's good. The team believes he's good. They treat him like he's really good and he's going to be their closer. So, I, I, you know, I think it's just a perfect two-way relationship at this point. 
Well, when you take three shots and you, when it got your star takes three shots and the team scores 129, something's going right with that team. I don't care who you play. It's just, that's, I mean, just facts. And, and I, I think he's been terrific. He's been better than I anticipated. He's better as a teammate than I anticipated. He's better than was advertised. I think what's been proven, and I'm thinking of writing a call about this for Monday, but I think what's been proven is the problem was the organizations and the players he was with, not him. Because if you look at what's happened, look at the three organizations he's not with anymore, okay? Philadelphia's having chemistry issues, right? And MB doesn't appear happy, and Simmons is playing Call of Duty or something. I don't know what he's doing, uh, right? And, and they already want to get rid of Horford, and, and nothing's working out. And I know the record's good, but it's not working that well. And clearly, whatever issues they had were not Jimmy's fault. Minnesota, after the hot start this year, has gone in the tank again. Uh, and, you know, you already have questions there about sort of the long-term viability of Wiggins. You mean to tell me point guard Wiggins wasn't going to work, Ethan? Right, exactly. Not, not for longer than a week, right? He had the one fourth quarter against the Heat. And then look at Chicago. He had five assists one game, and they went crazy. Right, right. Look, right. And Jimmy's been getting seven or to ten consistently. And then look at Chicago, right? Zach Levine wants to, you know, get out of there because the coach, or as least indicated that, the players Jimmy was acquired for have not developed. It's marking in. It doesn't Levine. seem like any of those Bulls players really like the coach. I mean, obviously, we don't know what's going on. We're looking from outside. But there's been so many tweets where people are, are tweeting out videos from games where players are just looking lethargic. They're not even mm-hmm. – it looks like they're not even paying attention to what the coach – like, they're not looking at him when he's talking to them sometimes. And it's just – so isn't so is, it's obvious. So is it possible then that the problem was in Chicago? You haven't had any stability there. Have you had stability in the front office with with Gar Foreman and and uh, and Paxson? But they the timelines didn't match up with the stability right. because they had that roster there. Like if you right. would have had Jimmy somewhat closer to his prime, along with you know Derrick Rose still in his prime, Joakim Noah still in his prime, Luol Deng in the back end of his, Boozer like yeah, it probably would have worked out a little bit better for them. It was a mixed timelines, not you know, not great circumstances. The Bulls front office sucks, and once that team disintegrated, everything else did. And then you go to Minnesota, and he didn't like what he saw from the rest of the guys. I think he he didn't want to be part of somebody who he thought was a clown show. He probably got discouraged by how much they dropped in the standings after he got injured, especially if they're you know they're they're paying and playing Wiggins and Cat like they're more important than Jimmy. And then the same thing happened again in Philly. Yep. Except in Philly, I think he appreciated the hard work that they put in, the fact that they were a defense-first team. But at the end of the day, that had more to do with the basketball fit than anything, which is obviously still a problem for them. The, the, but, look, the, but look at the guys that We don't know if it's had, ever going to work. But look at the guys that Jimmy's had issues with. They've been, I think, what he views to be entitled number one overall picks, right? Simmons, Wiggins, Towns. Okay? Yep. And, and so, you know, Embiid, who was not drafted first, but could have been if he was healthy uh, at the time, you know, he doesn't seem to have an issue with Embiid. But the others he seems to have an issue with, okay? In Chicago, he developed a relationship with Derrick Rose, but it was very choppy. I mean, if you talk to people there at the beginning. I mean, here is truly light years ahead. They didn't tank this entire time, and now they don't have to have that problem. <laughs> right, because they can never get a number one overall pick, right? So, a bunch so of 13, 14s and undrafted guys playing with Jimmy. Right. I mean, there's guys who he feels made it up the same way. And so I, I think that a lot of this we're recognizing is circumstance. It was not really him. I mean, he, he didn't react well maybe to the circumstances, but I don't blame him for the initial circumstances. All right. Anyway, uh, let's get to number two here. This is an interesting one because I think Jimmy has kind of solved this problem for them a little bit, a little bit. But this problem has persisted. This is the one of the five we talked about in preseason that they still had. 
which was who was the point guard. And the debate at the time that we had, Alex, was Dragic or Winslow. And I think we all said, all three of us said, they'd be best off with Dragic off the bench and Winslow starting. So the plan that the Heat had was similar to the plan that we prescribed. The problem is that the player we prescribed to be the starting point guard doesn't play and hasn't played in a while. And I just want to address this a little bit because I said this on a previous podcast, okay? Um, It is unusual. It is unusual for the Heat to disclose this little information about a player's injury after this much time. And there are only two reasons that that has typically happened. One, the injury is worse than they let on initially, which has happened many times, okay? That's possible. The second is that the player and the team are not on the same page necessarily with every part of the treatment of the injury. Um, If you recall, that happened with waiters. It's happened, and I can count a number of examples of this over the years, okay? Bosch example was extreme because that was illness, but there have been other situations. I've been led to believe it's more the second than the first, and I've said that on a previous podcast when I I was doing one with Alf, that there seems to be some inconsistency here in terms of how bad this particular back injury is. I have totally exonerated, not exonerated, but excused Winslow for the head injury because head injuries to me are a whole separate category. I don't know how serious this is, uh, but all I know is that he has not been available enough. I mean, how, how have they say that back injuries should be maybe not at the same level as head injuries, but. Well, but it's not, it's not, poten- it's not, it's not potentially like threatening to your long term. Well, I guess it could be right. It could be threatening to your long-term sort of, comfort but it's not it's not threatening in the way that that and career because if this is something that would continue to persist and i'm not saying it will right that would definitely affect his career no doubt no, about no, it that, no that that's true that's true but I, again i i don't I, I don't i can't diagnose it but it's, it's not yeah. the kind of back injury that was suffered in a collision on the court that we know of um you know that you know or stretcher is required or anything seems to be seems to be i don't know this but it seems to be a pain maintenance issue but perhaps Winslow thinks it's not. And, and so that's kind of where we are at this stage. But l- let's get away from that a little bit. I just wanted to address it somewhat. Even more than that, I think if Winslow was healthy, he still wouldn't be starting. And that's, that's the actual, like, plot development here, right? Because it's like Kendrick Nunn is the point guard now. That's the answer to the question. But, but, but is he? Okay, so how have they handled the point guard issue? Because I don't think Kendrick Nunn's the point guard. I think Jimmy Butler is the point guard. Well, yeah, well, yeah. I just mean uh, from a starting lineup standpoint, Kendrick Nunn is the point guard. I think it's going to stick. I think Spoh's going to stick with what he's done, which is what has worked so well. And I think maybe the way to go about it when Justice does eventually return is, uh, you know, whenever he brings him in the game, try out some of those lineups that you want to see with Justice, Jimmy, and Bam. Like, I mean, you don't have to start it, right? You don't have to change everything up that's been working so well for you. They're 22 and 8. It would, I, at this point, and like even I would be like, wow, they're starting justice. They're just they're, that's it. They're just good with uh, giving up what they had. <laughs> right? No, it would be <laughs> crazy strange. to me because I was a hundred percent on board starting justice at point guard. And this no, has I, nothing to do with justice play because I don't think we got nearly enough of a sample where every, everything's just been so shaky with him with the sample size that it's not even about him. It's just the we we've seen what works and what doesn't, and Jimmy needs, needs shooting around him. Yeah, he does. And Justice is not a knockdown shooter at this point. I mean, you know, he, he talked about being a sniper in the preseason and everything else and then struggled in the preseason and then and then obviously got off to the slow start to this season. But, but I, I, th- I, I, sorry, I, I don't th- mean to keep interrupting, but I think Spoh's done just an incredible job of actually doing what is necessary with this team whenever the time is come. Like right now, whenever 
Justice does come back, all three of those guys are going to get a lot of playing time, right? Justice, Nunn, and Goron. But I think Spo's going to manage that. Spo, the way he manages, like we talked about the other day with the units, I think that's the perfect way to go about it. I think he's doing exactly the right thing. He's not putting, he's not just putting one guy in a box as their point guard, right? I think he, he's laid it out in this team-friendly system that just goes so perfectly with the roster that they have. And so I think the point guard thing has more developed and evolved into this thing where the whole team is filled with ball handlers and point guards. Jimmy is the main one because of his penetration. But Bo is getting the most out of his guys. That's But don't you eventually uh, – this is my question. Okay, so I agree. It's worked in the regular season. They're 22-8. and eight. When you get into the postseason, Toronto is going to know that the ball is going to be in Kyle Lowry's hands, right? Milwaukee, I guess, is going to put the ball in Bledsoe's hands when it's not in Giannis's hands. Uh, you've got Philadelphia, I guess, is going to put it in Simmons' hands unless till he's asked to shoot, and then we'll see what happens. He'll definitely uh, put it in somebody else's hands after that. After that, Boston will put it in Kemba's hands. Okay, Indiana, uh, you know, again, I guess it's going to be Brogdon, right? Until Oladipo is right. I guess if we're comfortable that it's going to be in Jimmy's hands when it matters, then it's fine. It was in Dwayne's hands when it mattered, even when the Heat had Mario Chalmers. It was in LeBron's hands, even when the Heat had Mario Chalmers or Norris Cole or somebody like that. So, I, like, I don't think it's that big a deal. And I think, you know, exposed exactly. to get everybody out of these categories. And, and so I understand that. But I, I do think that looking over the course of the season, Goran's probably going to get hurt again. It's just this. He's had an injury history here for the past three years, right? So there, you know, with the justice thing matters because Jimmy is Kendrick's not playing point guard. Jimmy's primarily handling the ball, particularly in the big moments. And you mentioned the shooting, and I think it's worn on his shooting because the combination of him having to defend the best player on the other team most of the time and handle the ball all the time. His legs look shot to me the other night. Now, they looked better last night against Utah, I thought. But, like, it, he needs a little bit more of a break, and it's difficult to get him that break when he has to be the point guard. So I do think it matters. Like, I don't think they have to go out and get a Chris Paul, uh, but I think they need both justice. I think what the season has shown, they can get by and be really good offensively, but they can't maximize all their players if they don't have somebody besides Jimmy Butler who you can trust to handle the ball. Tyler Hero yeah, might get there. Jimmy. Right, because it, it, it's not Jimmy's best skill. He can do it, but it's not his best skill. I want to see Jimmy play off the ball a little bit. I want to see Jimmy in the post a little bit. I think he's really good in the post creating this message. You can't do that when you're dribbling the ball up the court all the time. So I, I don't, I, we don't have to dwell too much on this one, but I, this is the one of the five that has been an issue, but I agree with you that Spo has coached around it, and he's coached around it so well, which is one of the reasons why I think he's a coach of the year right now. He's coached around it so well that it's like now we're like, well, they don't even really need what we thought they needed at the beginning of the year. But I think my opinion is I think ultimately they do. I think they need at least one other guy. I think it's got to be Justice probably uh, that that is going to take that step. Maybe Tyler Hero takes that step by the end of the season. He's improved so much, but I don't know that he's there yet. Right, let's he get the too. I mean, we should we got to give him that credit. Maybe, like Maybe he does. I don't think it's his instinct. I think this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game? I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, 
Wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Miami Heat. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Tyler is more of a uh, playmaker by nature, but you're right. I think it's Oh, no doubt. But I just mean as far as uh, none figuring out the stuff like, you know, a lot of the times the games where he looks better and the other games where, you know, where we're not as impressed, is because of the way that he's making reads, right? Like uh, sometimes he just has it going for him in that in that sense. Like he knows exactly when to attack. He's gotten, by the way, he's gotten really good at uh, attacking left. Like, did you see what he was doing to Gobert? <laughs> he he drove in on him and scored uh, lefty twice, and I thought that was ridiculous. But no, uh, him figuring out when to shoot, when to pass is is going to be huge because I think that's like the main thing next for him right that'll that'll maximize him I don't think it's one skill specifically just getting more time and making reads so I think none has just as much of a chance to be that guy in a sense it's just somebody who could take the ball handling and scoring load off of Jimmy but to address what you're saying I think they need minutes from all three of those guys to get that off of Jimmy I don't think it needs to be one uh I do think the question though is do you still believe that the ceiling of this team is with Justice Winslow on the floor yeah, because that's going to be important. Like that's what we thought, and now like Derrick Jones Jr. has kind of uh, is it just is it just because he's playing, or has Derrick Jones Jr. kind of taken another step in the ladder that is this team and this roster? Has well, he taken yeah. another step on that ladder? He has, but save it because we want to get to that on defense. All right, let's get to number three, and this was another big question that we had before the season: who was going to be the number two on this team? And I think I actually had Giancarlo Navas on with me for this one. And I think we both identified Bam, I believe, or maybe he identified Justice. Um, I definitely identified Bam, if I recall correctly. Uh, now there's the question if he's the number one or the number two. We've obviously gushed all over Bam out of bio. Um, the numbers are outrageous. Some of the numbers, when you look at, you know, what he's done throughout the season, it's like him and Giannis. I mean, some of the, some of the numbers that have been spit out I mean, he's become an elite player in a very short period of time. So let's not dwell on what he's become. We've touched on that in enough podcasts. Give me two things that you want to see him improve on over the second half of the season. What will make you think entering the playoffs that he'd have two stars? Well, first of all, I already feel that way. Uh, I think you can safely say Bam is a star. But I think when we talk about this thing of two stars, the conventional wisdom is that you're talking about two guys who can go out there 
and get their own shot and do things for you by themselves, which is fine. Like, yes, you would like to have two of those guys, and that's probably what's going to keep the heat from getting into the later rounds of the playoffs. And, yes, there's, there's me be, that's me being negative, I guess, if, uh, if I still don't believe that they're a finals team per se. But, um, yeah, I do think that, like, Bam is a star already. I think he provides so much value all over the floor on both ends. He's not just a defensive guy. Uh, pretty much like what Justice has been. I think Bam has turned into this two-way dynamic player who's only getting better, and he's already a star. And I don't think it should fall on him to be the number two scoring guy. And it, and not that Spo has put it on him, because he definitely hasn't. I think it's obvious that Spo loves using Bam on offense more as a rim roller and as a secondary facilitator slash screener, right? More More so than a score. Because you go look at you know, the scoring from the rest of the guys on this team. Like, for example, you go to the per 100 possessions and you've got like five or six guys over 22 points a game, including Goron. You've got Duncan at 20 points. Uh, none is there at 25. Jimmy at 27. Again, this is per 100 possessions. But what that tells you is that this has been 100% a team effort. Again, Spo, his implementation of his system and getting, you know, running a style of offense that absolutely maximizes everybody where most of the time people are not going, you know, outside of their comfort zone. It's just been, it, it's been, it's been almost flawless. Like their offense has been so much better than we thought it was going to be. Their defense has been great despite missing time from Dion and JJ who were plus defenders despite justice missing time, despite uh, Derek Jones Jr. Missing time. Like they've been so impressive on both ends. And as far as number two, I think this team has shown you there is no number two as far as a number two score, right? Bam is definitely the number two star, but they're depending on scoring from all across the board, and there's no doubt about it. Well, I think there have been great teams where the best, the second best player has not been the second best scorer. I, I, you can take a look at um, the Pistons. The, the Pistons is a really good example, actually. Uh, so you can make a case, you know, Ben Wallace is one ben of those. Yeah, one of those I was, I, I was going to say Ben Wallace. I, I think that there were time, Well, it's hard with the Bulls because Pippen was great, too, in his own way and did so many different things. But there were times Rodman was as important as Pippen in terms of what they did. And, and basically, he was a lot of times their only, only you know, front court rebounder. Uh, you know, so there have been great time, great teams where the second best player is not the, the second best score. I, I even, uh, you know, look at uh, God, teams that have won titles recently. I mean, I mean, you can say the San same Antonio. thing for the the Warriors pre KD. Yeah, when Draymond was considered to be their second best player. Yeah, he might have been better than Clay. I, I think it was a push depending on the night. I, so, I mean, you can definitely make that case. I mean, I think at this point, you know, the the the, the Draymond Bam comparison is interesting. Bam's upside's much higher than Draymond's. Like, I, I mean, there, there were comparisons yep. made before the season. There are things that we know at this stage Draymond can't do. Now, now he can shoot a three on occasion, and Bam's got to get to that. But he's not. And a Bam's going to do it eventually. Shooter. By the way, we yeah. saw those videos pre-draft with him just nailing threes, and obviously that's not something that just 100% translates right away. But it's so obvious that Bam, like, if he would have put in that that time to actually try to do it on the court, that he could get to a decent catch and shoot percentage from, you know, a couple attempts a game, which is well, basically Chris Bosch, Chris Bosch didn't get to it until his third season in Miami. Right. I mean, he'd already spent how many seasons in Toronto. So, I mean, you're, you're talking about, and you hated it. 
And I hate, yes, don't mind me. Okay, I did hate it. You're right. I hated it. I hated it. I wanted Chris to get down on the post. I know that was, remind me of one of the few things I was wrong about during the big three era. Okay, I was definitely wrong about that one. That's yeah. it. We're ending this has topic. Spo, has Spo uh, told you that? Uh, uh, no, I've heard about other things I was wrong like You about. wanted Bosch in the post instead of LeBron and Wade. I, I, I didn't want it as inverted. I, I wasn't positionless. That was, that was the problem. All right, we're going to tell you about another great spot to the Five Reasons Sports Network. We get to our last two topics here. Just had a watch party. We're going to have a couple more that's the gold club in pompano it's not far from powerline and copens in pompano beach totally renovated inside it's a beautiful beautiful place and we're not just talking obviously about the scenery but it's not just a gentleman's club so we don't want to stereotype it ladies get in free there all the time that's right seven days a week 11 a.m to 2 a.m they've got a full kitchen there so you can eat They've got a full bar. And if you come in on Mondays, they've got you call in a Monday where basically you pay $5 and they will fill up your glass with just about anything that you want for the entire night. That was not great for our friend Alphonse Sidney on the night of our watch party. So check out the Gold Club in Pompano. Next watch party. I don't know if we're going to do one in January. We're definitely going to do the Sacramento game in February. So they should win that one. So you guys can't complain. We're two and one this year, by the way, in watch parties. And we're looking at one other in February that may be kind of an easy one for the I mean biggest win. upset of the year that were two and one in watch parties and wins against Philadelphia and Milwaukee Alex wins on the road on the road well yeah all the watch parties on the road but yeah two big wins True. on the road we're not going to talk about I guess the, the two best teams in the conference I mean you should, you should be bragging about it more to be honest for all the shit that you caught for so long that's true. Yeah, yeah. You're bringing up all the shit that I catch all the time. Yeah, Broward County. We did two in Broward County, and they won, they've won uh, both of those because the other one was at GQ's Craft House. The one we lost was in Dade at Duffy's. But anyway, we're going to do another one at Gold Club for the Sacramento game. But go check it out before we get there. That way you'll know how the place works. All right, I'm going to get to the last two parts of episode. We'll do these two quicker. Uh, but the two other things that we touched on before the season were shooting and then rebounding slash defense. I don't think anybody anticipated they would shoot the ball this well, Alex. Uh, <laughs> I don't know that we thought Duncan Robinson was going to be this part of, big part of the plan. I, I believed in Tyler Harrow, but I didn't know if it would happen quite this soon. I thought that Kendrick Nunn was a rotation player, but didn't know that he would be making 35% from three as a starter. They have shot the ball extremely well. They've gotten each other open looks, which is, the, to me, the most important part of shooting is the pass that comes before it. They move off the ball. Myers Leonard has been terrific in his limited minutes from a shooting perspective. He probably should shoot more. Other than Jimmy, I think everybody on the team is shooting and justice, right? Everybody on the team is shooting better than projected. Goran Dragic is suddenly a knockdown three-point shooter. Do you believe in their shooting now going forward? Yes, I think so. I think in the beginning, it was a little bit, uh, you know, we had to see a little bit more of it. But now, like you said earlier, we're more than a third of the way through, which is not nothing, right? Like, obviously, you can't extrapolate that over a whole season and expect it to translate. Like, I don't think the Heat are going to win 61 games, right? But we've already seen some of the regression, and yet they're still really good. They still have one, two, three, four, four guys shooting 40% or higher from three, including, you know, a 45 in there, a 48 in there. You got... Uh, Hero at just under 39. You've got Nunn at 35% from three. They've got a lot of shooting. And I think Nunn's, by the way, percentage being that, uh, low, that much lower than everybody else's is only because of the types of shots that he takes, where he takes a lot of those, you know, the, the, the defender drops back off the screen and he pulls up after a dribble. I think a lot of those guys aren't doing that. But they've got shooting all across the board, and it's exactly why their offense has been as good as it is. And again, 
credit to Spolstra for recognizing the shooting talent that they have on the team, right? Like it's it's there and he's maximizing. He's getting Duncan Robinson to be Wayne Ellington 2.0, except taller, and you know, getting blocks for you and extremely cheap, undrafted. Like it's just a ridiculous story between him and Kendrick Nunn, the type of shooting and production that they've been able to get in the starting lineup every single night. Like those guys have been so good for them as release valves. Like without the shooting that they've gotten from Nunn, Hero, Robinson, and then Myers, who knows? Like what? The, like the offense is probably a lot clunkier if you have like just a more similar roster to what you had the past few years. You mentioned it's been every night, and it's been the point that when they don't get it, we're surprised. So when they didn't get it the, the first game up in Philadelphia, we were surprised, right? Like when they shoot, when they have one of those games, like we got accustomed over the past couple of years to them having some games where they'd shoot under 27% from three and, and take a lot of them and miss a lot of them. It hasn't really happened that often this year. And, and so now in the playoffs, some of, those, some of those lanes will shut down. Some of the movement will stop. They will. Shots will become harder. Um, you'll also won't have as many of these guys on the floor in some of those situations. But I think what's been encouraging is, for example, Spolstra's willingness to play Duncan Robinson as a small ball four uh, in some of these situations where so you get the extra shooter there next to Bam. So can he play on in that situation down? And then it's not just it's not just the guys we thought would shoot, but like Derek Jones Jr. is making threes now. So like if that happens, that raises his you can he's playable in some of those situations. Now, again, I don't know until we see it in the playoffs, particularly until you see it on the playoffs on the road, because we know role players play better, but particularly shoot better at home. And it's not just that, right? It's like their offense is so built on guaranteed production mm -hmm. from these shooters who you basically had no idea what you were getting coming into the season. Like you didn't know that none and Robbins were going to be as good. You didn't, you weren't a hundred percent sure that hero was going to be this good right away. Like, Depending on those three guys, like they're a pretty big piece of the pie, right? Mm -hmm. Like Jimmy is a number one, yes, but again, they're playing a team oriented offense. And I think, like you said, those passing lanes are going to shut down. I think that ball movement is going to come to a grinding halt. And I think that's why, like, I've had so much trouble going back and forth on, on how good this team truly is because I, I projecting in a playoff environment, what is that offense going to look like? Are you going to get those same cuts? and passes off of those actions that you've been doing, right? I think you're going to be heavily scouted. I think teams are going to know exactly what actions you like to do a lot. And, yes, Bo is uh, great at kind of throwing teams off, at uh, doing different things when he feels that the team is sussing out what he's doing, you know, in a playoff environment. But, yeah, that's definitely going to be, you know, what, what you got to monitor going forward, especially if you're trying to see how good this team really is. And we're not going to know. I mean, we're not going to know until they get there. Like, you can see a little bit more of it in a clutch situation against Utah. You can see a little bit more of it on the road in Philadelphia. During By the, the way, great win Iowa. because the Jazz are a great defense. So, mm -hmm. always getting, like, getting a win against an elite defense like that where you, they've got great defenders all across the board. They've got Gobert there in the paint. Just a great win for them. Uh, they keep ragging up wins versus good teams, even though Utah has been terrific. The fact that they've been able to score against very good defensive teams, it's a great sign. Yeah, so let's get to the next one here, the final one, rebounding and defense. We worried about the loss of Hassan in these two areas, and we thought this is the one place it could hurt them. It hasn't hurt them in any meaningful way, except that they're not particularly good at the rim. But what all the numbers show is they're not letting people get to the rim as much. Part of that, I think, is because Bam jumps out on everybody, <laughs> so nobody gets past him. But the other thing is that they're not getting to the rim even though they haven't had justice 
for the majority of the season at this point. Um, rebounding and defense, sustainable from where it has been so far this season. Defense, uh, absolutely. I think whenever you get Justice back, it's only going to improve the defense. I think uh, the more time that they get with each other, the, the more familiar that they're going to get you know, with that system that they run just very much based on communication and discipline. And that's something that's only going to get better, especially when you're talking about two rookies on this team, right? And and basically three, because Duncan Robinson didn't get significant playing time last season. And you're getting, you're relying on them for so many minutes. Like, it's only going to get better with time. And especially since, like, all those guys have been, you know, pretty decent at it on the defensive end. Um, yeah, it's only going to get better. As far as rebounding goes, um, they're a good rebounding team. They've been in the top three, top five in rebounding percentage all season. But I do still think it's going to be a little bit of an issue versus bigger teams. I, I, I don't believe that this team is some is a team that's going to out-rebound everybody on a given night. I think like in a matchup versus obviously Philly or Milwaukee or even like Toronto, they, they, they might get out-rebounded just because they don't have that size. And I don't think Myers or Kelly are very good rebounders. But you get it from other places, right? Like Justice is good for the position he plays. Hero is good for the position he plays. Derrick Jones Jr. is a great rebounder. You know, Jimmy's a good one. Bam is good. So they get it from other places. They get enough where it isn't a problem for them. And they, like I said, they've been top three in rebounding percentage all season, which, again, credits the Spolstra. Like, they, the system is perfect for the roster. The, all the deficiencies that we thought would be there have not been there. Even and that's a credit to Coach. Even with them not having all of them healthy. Now, I, I think a couple of guys we want to take into account here as we talk about these two things. Uh, the first one is, is Derek Jones Jr. Because I, I think his development defensively in the games he's played has made a big, 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 big impact. Um, and it also makes an impact for them, I think, rebounding, particularly as an offensive rebounder. That's a positive. I think the only negative I would really say on this team right now is I, I really, at this point, Alex, and I don't want to pick on him, but I want to see more consistently from Kelly Olenek. Uh, there, were, there were some situations last night against Utah that he just got outworked for defensive rebounds. Like, it's uh, weird, you know, right? He's in, he's in a weird position right now. Like, he's still shooting 41% from three on the season, which is terrific because, you know, it wasn't always that way. His percentage wasn't always that lethal. But that's basically what they've been using him as a stretch is a stretch for. Whereas the past few seasons, they've used him as somebody who helps facilitate their offense. So I would expect that when Justice comes back and they have that full bench lineup back together, uh, I think it would get a little better for him. But honestly, I don't think he's that much of a problem because he's still getting – I mean, he's averaging more rebounds a game than Myers, but that's only because he gets like three more minutes a game than Myers. Right. But again, like – those two guys, it's it's weird because you can't – they're not fours because you can't – they can't guard fours for the most part. Maybe Kelly can sometimes against slower guys, but they're not – they can't guard fours. And at the same time, it's tough to put them at five because they're not great rebounders. And I, Yeah, and I think looking at it, um, you know, could you see more of Silva going forward if they're having rebounding difficulty? I, I just – maybe it's aesthetic with him. I'm not sure. I've always liked his game. I, I just haven't seen him. There's too many nights that I'm coming out of this saying he's not making an impact that the other guys are. You may be right that it may be positional. Uh, the ball's not in his hands quite as much as it was before. But rebounding-wise, like, I feel like with Leonard – and, and look, Leonard's had some games where he hasn't given you a lot of productivity, but I feel like with Leonard, he's making more of an impact on the other things than Kelly is in terms of the screen setting, 
in terms of the communication defensively. Like, I, I just feel like uh, he has limitations. There's no question about it. But I just I feel like he's making more of a consistent impact when Kelly than when I feel like Kelly has a bigger skill set than Myers does. So I, that's I don't the thing. Know, I'm not sure that that's happening. I'm not sure that they're using it to the full extent right full extent right now. I think he's doing a very much similar thing that I'm sorry, when I say he, I mean Spo is doing a, a similar thing that he does with Bam, where they're using them more as ancillary players on the offensive end and, and not really, you know, I don't think Kelly's been uh encouraged to weaponize his ball skills like he has over the past few years. We don't we don't see the keeper anymore. We don't see him holding the ball and and kind of probing cutters and defense as much as he did before, which is weird because like they have they have shooters and they have cutters now. They have an actual number one. So like again, you can get to that Jimmy Post action if you play them together because you could have uh, Kelly out uh, at the top of the key holding the ball up, just waiting for Jimmy to get that matchup. But yeah, I I, I it is weird because it's like he always the team always feels a lot worse defensively when he's playing at the five and you know DJJ is your four or something like that. Like it's not exactly ideal. It's fine for the regular season. Because, you know, you're not depending on it and you're not playing big teams every night. But again, you know, I think you're right about the Silva thing. Like, I think we're going to keep seeing lineups every once in a while. Mm. Like like what we've seen with DJJ at the three, Kelly at the four, Silva at the five, which gives you a lot more size. Mm. Uh, Kelly doesn't have the the responsibility to be a protector or a rebounder. But yeah, I I think just for me, I just want to see what the team looks like when they're fully healthy. Well, I don't think that'll ever happen, Alex. I think that's the one thing we've learned this season. <laughs> We're I mean, going to say it all I mean, year. I, I, right, and they're 22-8 and eight in spite of it, but I, I just I don't think that's going to ever happen. I think that's just the reality of it. I think the overall report card at this stage is an A. I don't, think, I don't know how you could grade it any other way. Uh, to me, I want to see Winslow back, and I want to see how they incorporate him. I want to see it's still the biggest question mark, better. right? It's like, is the, is the biggest question on the team is where Winslow is and where he fits and how long this goes on for. And then there's going to be the question when he comes back about why he was out so long and is he going to get hurt again? And I, I thought we were kind of over this. I only had the opening night, 27, seven and seven, like a corner had been turned. That was like three years yeah. ago, right? Seems like it. Seems like it. As <laughs> was the beginning of this pod. So we're going to end it right here. Thanks to another one of our sponsors, Seltzer Mayberg Law Firm. You can check them out at onecalllegal.com. That's onecalllegal.com. Service all of your needs immigration, traffic tickets, personal injury, all that stuff. They're based right here in North Miami, but they handle cases from all over the states. And that's onecalllegal.com. They handle your traffic ticket for $49 and up. They took care of a couple of mines. So you should definitely reach out to them. It's a Seltzer Mayberg Law Firm. Thank you for listening to The Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbird styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Super Light Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So what can you do in a super light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. 
code SUPER24.